Hey everyone, welcome to the Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. My name is John Alexander, and I'm here with my co-host, Don. Don, the question of the day is, how are you doing? How are you doing? That always means so much to me that you ask so sincerely. I'm doing great. It is fall here in Minnesota. It's pumpkin spice season. Have you had one yet? I have not had one. It came out like middle of August. I I know, I know. It's all too early, but... (laughs) You know, it's back to school season. I'm sending two kids to college. That's new for me and both good and the bad with that. But, you know, speaking of back to school season, I'm excited about our conversation we're going to have today. We have a couple great guys here to talk about how we reach students. But before we get into it, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm really excited to try pumpkin spice latte. I haven't had one yet, but I'm going to get there. Yeah. Okay, so enough of that. Anyways, we are going to talk about how to reach the next generation, specifically middle school and high school students. And today, like you mentioned, we have not one, but two special guests. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Daniel, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, hey, so excited to be here, first of all, uh, because I actually am kind of new to Eagle Brook staff. I've been on staff since January 2021, so about seven, eight months. And I remember vividly hearing both of your voices oh, wow. in preparation. So to be sitting here looking at your faces on the podcast. <laughs> it's worse. Worse looking at our faces. <laughs> no, no. I'm uh, thoroughly enjoying it already. Uh, but yeah, my name is Daniel Young. I'm director of student ministries at Eagle Brook Church. And like I said, I've been doing that for about seven or eight months and having a blast. It's awesome. All right, Mark, how about you? Hey, everybody. Mark Ardall here. Thanks, John, Don, for having me. It's great to be here today. And yeah, I'm the middle school teaching pastor here at Eagle Brook. Been on staff just over three years, but in this role for a couple years. So uh, love it. Love every minute of it. Awesome. I'm excited to get up and go to work in the morning. And that is a dream come true. So mm-hmm. it's great. We're yeah. missing one. We were supposed to have three. Let's yes. just be honest. Let's confess it. Yeah. But we're missing him today. Where is he at? We are. We're missing him. He just couldn't be here. Had some things he had to take care of. Uh, and by him, we mean Brandon, Brandon Gilliam. <laughs> yes. Brandon Gilliam. We mean the high school teaching pastor. Brandon Gilliam, yes. uh, who we're so bummed he's not here because he's yeah. one of the smartest people around and has so many good things to say. But uh, we miss you, Brandon. I'm going to do my best to, to channel my inner Brandon mm-hmm. uh, because uh, you can't see me right now, but there's a lot of people <laughs> who actually mistake me and Brandon. Yeah, yeah, you guys do look alike. I believe you can. Head. I believe you can. So I'll try head. It's for you, Brandon. This is for you. Well, again, we're excited to have you to dive into this uh, conversation about how to reach the next generation because I truly think our our student ministries teams are some of the best in the whole country, truly, and you guys are are leading those teams. But to really set up this topic, I need to say with this little caveat, I'm not a huge fan of national statistics and surveys. Um, you read about them. They can be you know, really discouraging or encouraging. They're these massive numbers you throw around, but they can just disproportionately inflate or deflate strategies and perspective specifically for a local context. In other words, just because you know, study X says um, these amount of people are leaving the church, it doesn't mean those X amount of people are leaving the church in your local context. Okay. Do you guys understand where I'm at with surveys? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And I, you know, I've got some opinions and feels about that. (laughs) Much love to all the people. I've I've actually met David Kinneman, by the way. He's a great guy, leads Barna, um, respect him immensely. But he shared recently on a podcast that 64% of young church going people will leave the church when they're adults. So again, despite my rant and things and feelings about statistics and surveys, the reality is people are going to attend our student ministries 
and then a significant portion of them will not be Christ followers or church goers mm. by the time they reach adulthood. And here's my question to you to kick things off. I know it's an intense question, but why is that? And what exactly are you doing about it? Daniel, if you want to start with this one, that'd be great. Yeah, well, I just want to say your point about national statistics is well taken because <laughs> it's hard to say nationally, here's what's happening, but then what's happening in the Twin Cities or in the Midwest or whatever could be very different. So mm-hmm. our hope and prayer is uh, that we, we outperform those national statistics for sure. Uh, and so here's what's going on. Uh, rather than tell you what my opinion is, because I could give you a lot of reasons why I think. Why do I think students are growing up and leaving churches, students who once regularly attended churches? But I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to actually give you their own answers. So there's actually a, a poll and a research uh, study done by Lifeway recently, just a few years old. It's really actually pretty recent in terms of uh, survey data. And they actually surveyed 2,000 young people who once attended church regularly and stopped. And they asked them why. And they really came out with four main whys. And so, Mark, I want you to jump in on some of these with me. So what we've done is we kind of want to list the four whys. And then uh, we've actually kind of taken these four reasons and tried to identify, okay, what's the problem? These statistics are informing us with data, but what's the problem behind the data? And what are we going to try to do about it? So the first uh, most commonly cited reason, nearly all students, 96% of the students said life changes Pure and simple. I mean, it's not this deep philosophical thing for them. It's just they went off to college or they got a job or uh, varsity sports kicked in or they got a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Life situations kicked in and that caused them to stop attending. I mean, that was 96% of these 2,000 students. That was the number one reason they gave. (laughs) And so what we've identified that is what's the problem behind that? We think that's a problem of ownership because you think about the commitment between, uh, you know, a low-level employee and an owner. A low-level employee can leave the business like that. Just because situations change, life circumstances change, I'm out. But an owner is going to stick around through a lot of different fluctuations in life circumstances. So we define that as a problem of ownership. Uh, And what we see in our strategy and our approach to ministry for students is we want to create opportunities for ownership. Mm. And we really do. One of the things we talk about a lot at Eagle Brook is the hedgehog. Uh, If you're not familiar with that, it's a concept where you kind of define a few different things. Uh, What what are you best at? What means what are you most passionate about? And how do you define success? And one of the ways we define success around here is ownership. And so we try to do that in student ministries by connecting students to serving opportunities. Mm -hmm. So we allow high school students to serve and lead middle school groups. And we want middle school and high school students serving in kids' ministry. And we want them actually serving wherever they want to serve. And we think if we can really help students find ownership, then their life circumstances won't cause them to disengage as readily. Yeah, I mean, I think back to my experience post-high school. Uh, I mean, I went to a local Christian mm-hmm. you know, college. Uh, it's a university now. I'll, I'll leave its name out because of what I'm about to say. But I mean, there was plenty, there was plenty of my friends who who didn't go to church. Yeah. You know, we used to joke, they went to Bedside Baptist with Pastor Pillow, right? <laughs> I mean, that was just kind of Sister the joke. Sister Sheets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, See, it's student ministry jokes. Oh, I know. Man, it's, it's great. Just, That's already a great cringy, joke. They're cringy, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them like coming. Borderline dad jokes. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, 
and even for me, who like I was obviously going into ministry, I was studying youth ministry, but what really cemented my church involvement was was getting involved in the local church, getting involved in the youth group, getting involved in the ministry. Um, and, and it just, you know, gave me that motivation to get there each weekend. And so with that lack of ownership, it just makes it, yeah, more difficult to show up. Yeah, absolutely. And before, Mark, I know you want to launch into really kind of the next uh, piece of data and the next problem that we defined using that. But one of the things that is encouraging even about the data that we see is uh, it tends to actually be more of a disengagement than a complete disconnection. So there's actually a lot of research that shows students go and they leave the church for probably a period of two to four years on the low end. And then once they graduate college, a lot of them come back, but so many come back when they have kids again, which is really, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean there's not a problem, but at least to me, it feels like a little more hopeful. Because one mm-hmm. of the things I've always tried to remind myself, remind any youth pastors that I'm around or any youth volunteers is youth ministry is about the long game. Mm-hmm. Like if you're focused on the short term, it can be the most discouraging kind of ministry to do. But if you remind yourself, man, what we're doing now is actually about what God's doing in their life 15 years from now, that's, I think, a more important focus. But what was the next yeah, that's thing good. that we want to talk to Mark? Yeah, so the next one we saw was the problem of hurt, right? And this is where, I mean, it can really span the, the spectrum of leadership, but it could be, you know, a wound from a small group leader. It could be something that was taught from up front that, that hit wrong. Um, it could be a, a pastor of the church having a moral failure or, or something like that. Um, you know, I, I have, again, have friends uh, who have, have left the church because of pain, because of experiences that they had. Um, one of my friends in high school, uh, her dad was a, a deacon at the church and had a moral failing. And, you know, she's no longer a part of the church, you know? And so those things can impact on such a deep level and especially uh, the, the closer the relationship is, right? Because we might hear of a pastor at such and such a church that had a moral failing, but when that happens in our own context or, or it happens with our small group leader or it happens, um, you know, closer to home, um, those can be things that, that just cause people to walk away and say, you know what, this isn't worth it um, because they experience just a, a bad representation of Christ. Mm. And that happens all too often. Uh, it's one of the reasons why self-leadership is so important, why accountability is so important, um, why feedback is so important. We try to build those cultures here uh, at Eagle Brook um, and, and just being vulnerable and, and humble. Um, and so some of the things that we go after, um, because yeah, the last thing we would want is for something like that to, to mar the church here, to yeah. mar the ministries that we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the statistics, uh, that are kind of borne out when you think about the problem of hurt are pretty staggering. And it's 73% of these people who were surveyed said they disconnected from church because of church or pastor related reasons. Mm-hmm. So that's. Uh, a lot of them said 32% of this 73% said church members themselves seem judgmental or hypocritical. 29% of these disengaged young adults said that they didn't feel connected to others who attended. And so really behind that, I see this problem of hurt and it almost feels like there is uh, not just a health pandemic happening right now, but there's a pandemic of moral failures of, of church leaders um, not living out 
what they say they believe. Mm. And that is one of the most devastating reasons, I think, young people are leaving the church mm. uh, in the numbers that they are. And so one of the ways Mark kind of already started to mention, but I just want to dig into a little bit, that we are really trying to intentionally go after to prevent this is prioritizing a culture of authenticity. Because mm-hmm. I think this is most damaging when anybody in leadership, whether it's a pastor speaking uh, from a platform or it's a group leader uh, at leading as a volunteer, anyone who sets themselves up with this unrealistically high standard as some sort of superhuman Christian perfect person, those are the kinds of situations where you see students just become completely disoriented when that person doesn't live that out. And it's impossible to live that out. So some of the things we talk about is like in our, in our sermons, uh, are we making ourselves the hero of every story? Or are we being honest and vulnerable? Uh, are, we, are we recruiting, training, and equipping small group leaders who are ready to make their small group the safest place to have the most dangerous conversations. Mm. And so we really feel like the way we can get at this problem of hurt is by creating a culture where authenticity is prized mm. and intentionally cultivated. Mm. Mm. So good. That's really good. I, maybe just to jump in a little bit, I would think that that even applies down to the volunteers Absolutely. and right. small group leaders who students are often looking to, you know, Obviously, you're talking from a staff level, of course. Let's make sure that pastors are going the right way. But even down to the small group leader, because I think I've seen if a small group leader walks out, uh, especially for a negative reason, that group is at risk for sure. Yeah. I mean, I have two thoughts that that brings up. In just my time in youth ministry, two things have struck me about the influence of volunteer small group leaders. One is the number of times I've heard students refer to them as pastor so-and-so. That's right. Right? Like they don't know. Mm-hmm. This is a teenager who's coming to our youth ministry services, they don't they really don't know the difference between well, this person's licensed or this person went through seminary or they don't they just know this is a mm-hmm. this is an adult with spiritual influence in my life. Mm-hmm. And we need to be really careful with how we steward that in terms of our volunteers. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's striking to me is just the way that students they just gravitate toward that group leader when that group leader is involved in their life. Mm -hmm. And even I think how empowered group leaders feel, the number one thing I think that keeps people from volunteering in student ministries when they're interested is they feel they have to be perfect. And when you're able to say, hey, you don't have to have the most Bible verses memorized. You don't have to be perfect. Actually, what I want from you is to be authentic. Mm -hmm. Then people are like, oh, I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. So I think those two things, knowing the power they have, but also that it's a power to be vulnerable and authentic as long as it's carried out appropriately, disclaimer, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't need to get into all the bloody, gory details of your past, but prizing authenticity and, and empowering people to be that mm-hmm. is important. It's great. Yeah. Okay, so you've got life changes, hurt. What's the third? Yeah, we've got the problem of truth, right? Where where truth hits us in a way that we don't like it. And, and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't It doesn't maybe uh, sit with where we're at, how we're living, our lifestyle, uh, the things that, that we think are, are true. Uh, suddenly we hear something contrary to that and it causes us to kind of question everything. And sometimes instead of just digging into that or, or going deeper, uh, we, we peace out 
or, or sometimes we don't have a, a context uh, or, or we don't have a, a safe space to be able to talk about those things openly and honestly. Um, and so if, if something is presented to us that's contrary to what we believe um, and we don't feel like we have a place to be open or honest, we've, we think we're going to experience judgment if we come out and say something that's different than that, um, you know, that's a reason to walk away and, and find a, a different space that's affirming of the things that we already believe. Um, and so kind of to combat that again in our small group spaces and as we train leaders is, is to create a safe place for doubts and, and questions uh, so that, man, those things don't have to derail us, um, but they can just, uh, you know, foster awesome conversation mm. um, and, and to continue to affirm that the Bible is our most reliable source of truth, uh, for life. It's, it's what we build everything upon. Um, and there's obviously going to be disagreements, uh, in how we interpret scripture and those kind of things. But what we're going after is God's truth first and foremost. And if that disagrees with something that I hold, then man, I need to figure out how to position myself within God's truth and not walk away from that. And so, um, we, we want it to be a space where that can be wrestled with mm-hmm. safely, uh, without judgment, without, you know, casting stones and, and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to create that. Yeah, absolutely. And some of the research I think would just be helpful for people to know is that 70% of the disengaged young adults said that it was religious, ethical, or political beliefs was their reason for dropping out. And so that's what Mark is kind of getting at, this problem of truth. And there's a a word that's really, really popular right now, which is deconstruction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that there's actually some positive aspects to deconstruction, but what most people are calling deconstruction, they really mean as demolition. <laughs> They're just trying to like, just tear it all down. They don't want any structure for truth. And so uh, what we recognize about the the generations that we're doing ministry for is, this is not a because I told you so generation. They're not going to just accept something because some authority figure told them to. I mean, distrust of institutions and authorities is at an all-time high in, in, in our, our culture at large, but particularly in the younger generation. They just, they don't rely on institutional authority uh, for their beliefs. They want to they know why. Why should I believe this? Why is this true? And so that's one of the things that we've really taken in when we, when we approach teaching, whether it's to middle schoolers or high schoolers, we want to show them the Bible is the most reliable source of truth, not just tell them that it is. We want to help them know how to think, not just tell them what to think. And so part of that, I think, is even just, and this might get a little high level, but I believe it's important, is honoring the intellectual capability of these students. Mm. I mean, the vast majority of the time they spend on screens is on YouTube, <laughs> YouTube is the second most used search engine for this generation. <laughs> they are mm-hmm. critical thinkers and they have more information at their fingertips than any generation before them. So if we think we can just stand up and say, the Bible says that that settles it, that's not going to hold water with this generation. Mm-hmm. Now we don't compromise on truth. That's not at all our approach, but we do want to have a rigorous approach to what are the hard questions they're going to they're gonna ask when I present this scripture? What are the hard questions they're going to they're going to ask about our core beliefs and how can we show them even for Mark and middle schoolers how can he anticipate man at a younger and younger age they're starting to have harder and harder questions and they don't want easy answers to hard questions mm-hmm. they want thorough answers mm-hmm. so how can we approach that in a way that's successful mm-hmm. that's accessible that's good that's man. Great. 
All right, tell us the fourth. Okay, Mark, what is it? So the problem of depth. Uh, so uh, this is, you know, so often, I mean, probably mega churches, we get pinged for being shallow, watered down, uh, those kind of things. And so people that are really searching for uh, that, that depth of, of content and, I mean, depth of relationship, depth of community, uh, not finding it. Uh, they, and so they look for it in other places. They, they look for other places where they're loved and accepted and can find that community that they're looking for. And so really, I mean, we want to prioritize community and, and transformational relationships. That's a leading strategy for us. We're going to get into that a little bit more uh, in a bit here. Um, but that depth comes in community. Uh, you know, small groups is a huge strategy in student ministries, in our larger church. Uh, it's a space to, to take uh, what is taught and dive into it and see how it can apply to our lives and see what difference it can make in our life. And so um, I, and just like personally, you know, I, I came into Eagle Brook three years ago and I had heard some of those things like, oh, it's, it's not deep or, you know, it just lacks, uh, lacks that, that depth. But, but for me, I'm like, man, this has had some of the deepest and profound impacts on my faith being here the last three years on, on my marriage, uh, on my, uh, ability to be a father, um, uh, as a leader, uh, and, and I think what it really gets down to is, is that application piece. Mm-hmm. There's just always a clear action step to take and, and to put into practice. And so, uh, we try to provide that. Mm-hmm. We do that with middle school students. Uh, you know, I try to, at the end of most of my messages, have a challenge for them to take and, and to, to live out. Uh, and through those challenges, which middle school students will do, if you tell them to do something, they will go home and they will do it. I, I would, one week I challenged them to just listen to Christian music for an entire week. Cause we were talking about what we input is output. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so a mom came up to me and was like, thanks a lot for telling my daughter that. Cause now, you know, I can't listen to any of my normal stations. I gotta listen to KTIS <laughs> all week. Right. right. Um, <laughs> so like they will do it, but, um, you know, it, it's through those application pieces, giving them challenges, allowing them to, to live out their faith in real life, um, where they start to experience God and see him move and experience Christ. And, and so, um, man, when, when we're lacking that, we're, we're missing a big piece of depth. And so there's always going to be a strong emphasis on application and how, how do we put this into practice? Because they can understand the background of a passage, but what difference does that make in their life? So that's, good. Yeah. that's great. And I think the, this, the significance of the problem of depth is borne out in, once again, 63% of the students who said they disconnected, they disconnected for student and youth ministry reasons one of the main ones being they feel like they never connected with other students. And so when we talk about depth, I think when a lot of people think about quote unquote depth, uh, they think of complexity, right? So I know a sermon was deep if it was complex, Mm -hmm. but we just don't believe that. We believe that depth comes through application. So even if you think about, if you're gonna work out and try to get stronger, the most complex exercise is not the one that's gonna give you the deepest effect on the muscle. It's the one that you can apply the most the most applied weight, applied pressure, applied tension. That's what creates depth and growth. So that's the kind of depth that we're after. A depth of biblical teaching that can be applied, but then also a depth of community where there's just so many opportunities for real, meaningful relationships. And so that's a, a lot of the things that we think are why students are leaving the church. Not that we think, that they're saying mm-hmm. why they're leaving the church. 
and how we define it and then how we're going after it. Mm. All right. Those are four great points about, unfortunately, why young people tend to leave the church. And let's transition a little bit into the youth ministry and some of the events that you guys do. How do you reach lost students? Uh, You guys have done a couple monster events this last summer. Talk to us about uh, those events that you've done this last summer and, and why you do them. Yeah, for sure. So I'll jump in first. Summer takeover. The three best nights of the summer. Yeah, they are. Happened this past <laughs> July for our middle school crew. And really, this is an event where all of our students uh, come to one campus, our Lionel Lakes campus, for just an, an epic night of competition. Uh, but that is a massive funnel leading us to a, a moment where we tell them about Jesus. And this is one of the things we say in our strategy of this event is like, we're going to throw the world's best party for middle school students so that we can tell them about Jesus. Awesome. And fun fact, John, this, I mean, you, you started this thing. I was a part of it. Oh, yeah. Part of started, it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. How many years ago? I think it was, uh, eight, nine years ago. Yeah. You, yeah. you sent Been me a, a couple pictures yeah, from like pictures. the first one. Yes, it was, oh it was amazing to see. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's come a long ways. I was there. I mean, it was incredible this year. So Man, it, it, it was, level. um, it was unforgettable for sure. But I mean, I, first and foremost, obviously the reason we do it is right there in the strategy. Uh, it's to reach middle school students for Christ. I mean, we want to give them an opportunity to respond and, and put their faith in Jesus. So all three nights of the event, we, we do a clear uh, call to, mm-hmm. to respond and put their faith in Jesus. And we're hoping by doing it three nights in a row that they'll be able to uh, catch on to the energy and excitement around putting our faith in Jesus and actually invite their friends to come with them. Mm-hmm. And we build the whole competition around that. And so they get points for bringing new friends, and, you know, it's strategic, un- unashamedly strategic yes. there yeah. to get as many students in the room as possible. We had about a thousand each night mm-hmm. um, so that we can tell them about Jesus. But really beyond, beyond that, uh, we want this event to be a momentum builder into the year mm-hmm. as we launch come fall. Um, and I mean, just one really cool uh, example of that that came out of Summer Takeover this year. We had a student named Adriana who came uh, because she saw the weekend announcement. She lives in Wisconsin. She had to have her grandma drive her to the Woodbury campus and then be bused all the way up to Lino. But it was her first experience with student ministries uh, and really, I think, with church, if I'm not mistaken. And so she came night one. And came back night two because she loved it so much. Night two, Daniel gave an incredible message about building our life with Jesus. She responded. She put her faith in Christ. Uh, and then through some random connections that really are miraculous, uh, she found a ride from where she lives in Wisconsin to the Woodbury campus every single Wednesday night. So she's going to be plugged in uh, come this fall and, and a part of Ground Zero. Yeah. And, and that's our hope is that students will come experience what, what church is, what it can be, uh, and, and experience Jesus and that they'll want to come back and get plugged in and obviously grow in that relationship and join a small group and experience community and get plugged in and all of that. And so uh, that's what we hope happens. And, and that's one example of it happening. Uh, we had 81 first time decisions mm-hmm. this year. Awesome. And so each one of those, a different story mm-hmm. of God moving and working. And so, uh, so yeah, my, my, I guess my encouragement out of that is, I mean, not everybody can do a massive summer event that bringing in speakers and, you know, spending a lot of money, but you can do something. You can do something in your local context. Um, you can create an engaging experience for students uh, that they want to come to. Um, and you can tell them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and so just encourage 
uh, creativity within whatever context you're in to go after it. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, so again, just to, to go a little further, I, I mean, I was in a context uh, before Eagle Brook where we, we just didn't do uh, decision messages. We didn't give students the chance to put their faith in Jesus mm-hmm. because we just kind of assumed everyone already had that relationship. And, <laughs> you know, um, but man, when, when we started to uh, try to do events that, you know, brought in friends and that kind of thing. And, and I just started giving students the chance to respond. You know, I was able to lead some students to Christ. That's and awesome. so whatever context you're in, encourage you to do that, go after it. Um, and man, just watch what God does. Absolutely. So, yeah. It's yeah. awesome. One more thing I'd love to hear you talk about, Marcus, how many students came to our summer takeover event that had never been to student ministries at Eagleburg before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like 272 students. Mm-hmm. Wow. That had never stepped foot mm-hmm. in Eaglebrook before, mm-hmm. came and uh, experienced what we do, and yeah. and we were able to invite them back to be a part of the fall. And and yeah, the fall, you know, it's not quite the same. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a yeah. little scale bad. We can't yeah. go that big every single week, mm-hmm. but it's always an engaging experience. Yeah. Um, it's always something that they're going to love. You know, church should be fun. It shouldn't be boring. Uh, messages should be engaging and fun and full of uh, truth, but also just full of humor and life and things that relate. And, uh, you know, I always say like boring messages should be a crime, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so uh, we should, yeah, go after that for sure. Yeah. Another thing that says to me is there may be people out there just kind of feeling beat up, tired, discouraged after the year and a half that we've all been through mm. and asking, is it worth it? Is it worth it to put forth the extra effort? Is it worth it to, to go after something outside of our regular programming? And I would say our experience is yes, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Students are hungry to be a part of something and they're hungry to invite their friends to be a part of something. So whatever your context, it's worth it. Yeah, go for yeah it. and I think our Rev event really showed that, right? Yeah. I mean, for the first time ever, we did a high school event in right. the summer mm-hmm. and 500 high schoolers showed up yeah. and almost a hundred of them had never been to Eagle Brook service before. Mm-hmm. So they're hungry for it. They want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's on us to, to dig deep and go for it. Just give a, a quick little summary of why, how Rev high school events are different than middle school because it's a different tone I've noticed. Yeah. Why is that and how have you decided to... Uh, work through that nuance. Yeah, well, I'll do my best once again to channel, channel my best Brandon Gilliam here. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think he would say there's a little less sugar involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, is but that, no, I, is that a physical or figurative yes. expression? Yes, okay. both. Both. I, both. Yeah. yeah, summer takeover is just all the, it's all the things. Oh, yeah. It's all the energy. It's all the hype. And we really have found that uh, high schoolers, it needs to be a little bit more chill. Mm-hmm but they still want to be a part of something. Mm -hmm. And that I think is one of the things that Brandon would want to go out to anyone listening to this is one of the specific things that we do to contextualize ministry for high schoolers is recognize where they're at in their development is they are ready to be activists. Some of the most passionate activists for social issues in the world are high school students. Mm. And we believe that that, that that's just a student who's, who's looking to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And what 
bigger thing can they be a part of than the mission of God that they're being invited into? Mm-hmm. And so that's part of what we tried to create with our Rev event, this 12-hour day-long event where they found belonging and they felt like they were a part of something bigger than themselves. And we try to keep that going throughout the year to help high schoolers really feel like they have something that they can be involved in. Mm, Love it. Man, I love hearing you guys talk with passion about these subjects. I'm just so grateful. I've got a fifth grader who's going to be a sixth grader a year from now. Yeah, let's go. He's going to get started in student ministries. Just, Mm -hmm. I mean, what? Summer takeovers. You already should start planning. It's like yeah. 10 months away. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start. We're going to start. Go. going to put a brainstorm on the calendar real soon. Yeah, but great. I am grateful for your guys' leadership. And, and just a couple more questions for you. And I want to turn this to all the volunteers, um, all the small group leaders, all the people who just aspire to influence a young person's life and help reach them. Um, you guys know, and you'd be the first to say, and you probably will say it, it takes just an army of people. I mean, Mm -hmm. dedicated volunteers who are sacrificing their time and energy Mm -hmm. to serve young people. Um, It really takes that that amount of sacrifice to reach young people. But I want to ask, what does it take to be a great youth ministry leader? Either, you know, as a pastor, someone out there listening, but but also as a volunteer, just someone who wants to influence a young person's life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dan, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I, I think a lot of people feel like they're not qualified. It's like, oh, I don't have a Bible degree, you know, or oh, I've never worked with students before. I, am I going to be able to answer the questions that they have that are big and scary, right? Because they are asking those big questions. Uh, and and so a lot of times when volunteers come to me or potential volunteers with, with those kind of questions, you know, I, I'd be like, Hey, are, are you available? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Like Wednesday night? <laughs> yeah. uh, do you have are anything you just, going on? Yeah. You just free it all on your calendar. You <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we need people, but, but no, and it's not like we're just going to take anybody that has a pulse, right? <laughs> um, there, there needs to be, uh, uh, obviously a, a passion to work with students. They, they need to be somebody that, uh, shows good character and, and wisdom in their life and those kind of things. You know, we're not just going to fill a spot because it needs to be filled. Um, but, but what I'm trying to say is that like really at the end of the day, none of us are qualified, Mm -hmm. you know, to do this. Um, and God just fills in our gaps and, and shows up and uses us in ways that we could never imagine. And really what students need is somebody, uh, who is going to show up, Mm -hmm. you know, who's going to show up for them, who's going to be there for them. Um, and, you know, so available and, and authentic is just another thing that comes to mind. Um, just, you know, we talked about that authenticity piece. Um, you know, that always trumps being cool. Mm-hmm. You know, the number of leaders that come to me and say, I couldn't, I couldn't be a student leader. Like, I'm not cool enough. It, it, one of the best small group leaders I've ever had was like a 72-year-old woman that didn't know any lingo, didn't know any of the trends, didn't know what a YouTuber was, mm-hmm. but just showed up and loved students and cared for them and, and was in their corner and, uh, supported them and, and was herself like just led from who she was. And so, um, those are a couple of things that come to mind. I mean, we, we have actually have a list of things that we train, um, you know, our small group leaders to be, um, so we can hit a couple more of those. I mean, authentic is, is one of those, but Daniel, what else have we got on that list? Yeah. I mean, I think it would be helpful for anybody listening, no matter if you're uh, somebody who's interested in serving in student ministries, if you're a student ministry pastor, or if you're already involved, what we've done is kind of taken down, uh, what makes the most effective student ministry leader and put it into a list of what we call the five essentials. And here they are. It's fill up first is number one. 
And really that comes from the idea of we lead out of who we are. Mm. So if you're not full, you can't share anything with anyone else. The second one is time on their turf. Are you willing to hang out with them outside of Wednesday night? Uh, the third one is get in the game. Are you consistent? Do you show up for them week in, week out? The fourth one is enjoy the journey. So see students not as a project to be taken to a destination, but as a person to enjoy relationship with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the final one that Mark really did a good job of explaining is just be authentic. Mm-hmm. So those are our five essentials. Fill up first, time on their turf, get in the game, mm-hmm. enjoy the journey, be authentic. That's, That's what makes a great leader. Mm-hmm. You guys need to write a book. Yep. Set it here first. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Set it here first. You need to write a book. <laughs> hey, last question, and we're kind of finishing our time, but by the time we release this, um, we've started a new school year. This new student ministry year is kicking into gear here at Eagle Brook. I mean, just final two cents here. What are your hopes and goals for this year? And then, Don, I want you to finish with kind of what are your hopes for student ministries uh, just in general at Eagle Brook? But why don't you guys start with that? What are your hopes and goals for this year? Yeah, well, I'll kind of kick it off uh, in general, and then I'd love to hear Mark just share what his hopes and goals are for middle schoolers, because I know he's so passionate about that age group. But in general, here's some things that I think we really want to get better at. So I'll just go with that. We want to make small groups smaller. That's one of the things that we're passionate about. And, And that goes back to the opportunity for meaningful relationships. We've got a thriving small group strategy that's happening, but we think it can get better if we have a better leader to student ratio in those groups, that there can be better conversation, better connection. So we want to make small groups smaller. We also want to increase not just the quantity of volunteers in student ministry, but the quality is really digging into how do we have leaders whose lives are marked by those five essentials. That's one of the things that we're dreaming about and thinking about. And then ultimately, here's my biggest dream for student ministries this year, to see more students say yes to deciding to follow Jesus than have ever before. Mm. That's my biggest dream for our student ministry this year. How about you, Mark? Yeah, I mean, that really trickles into my my heart for Ground Zero this year. It's just that, I mean, we would see more middle school students <laughs> than ever before put their faith in Jesus Christ. And and I think what, what gets me fired up and what God is kind of putting on my heart for this year is getting Ground Zero, our middle schoolers, our 6th, 7th, 8th graders involved in that mission. And so that it's yeah. it's not just our efforts as a student ministry team, as a central team, as you know our student pastors at the campuses, but that our middle schoolers understand that they have a part to play in that. And so some of the ways that uh, I think that we can do that, and and we're going to try to do that, is is you know when we do an outreach event, is letting them know why, talking about that, trying to infuse more of the the vision into our announcements. You know, hey, this is going to be a fun, exciting night where there's going to be a ton of fun stuff, awesome games, great prizes. But guess what? This is a night where we're going to tell your friends about Jesus and we're going to invite them into a relationship with him. So uh, kind of setting them up with that vision and, and helping them see how they can be a part of it. Who can you invite? Who, who can you pull in from your team, from whatever it is that you're a part of, where you have influence? Uh, get them to church you know, get them there with you. It's, it's scary to, to share your faith with somebody. Uh, it's scary to invite somebody to church, but again, we're hoping that we're creating an environment that uh, they feel comfortable inviting to. Um, but yeah, I, I just want them to see how they can be a part of that mission and then celebrating it ultimately um, after those events. And last week we saw 
X amount of students come to faith in Jesus Christ. Guess what? You were a part of that because you invited and, you know, mining out some stories to share and those kind of things. But I think, again, the more we can help them see their part in that mission, uh, the more ownership that they're going to have. Right. And as they just see the effect that Jesus has on their life, on the lives of their friend, I mean, the chances that they're going to walk away from the church are slim to none when they experience that power of God. And so I want to go after that this year. That's great. Don, how about you? Take a little global view here. You oversee all the campuses. You had two sons who recently graduated all the way through. All the way through. They're headed to college. You hope that, and they've grown up at this church. You hope they have, you know, what they need to survive out in that world and maintain their faith. So what's your hope for student ministries in general, but at Eagle Brook Church? Yeah, well, let me just start with that personal note of, yeah, as a dad, thank you. Thank you to what you guys have done, you know, to, to raise my boys. You know, you have had indirect parts in that. Daniel, you're newer, but... I can't say thank you enough to Eagle Brook volunteers, Eagle Brook staff that have played a part in my two boys. I mean, we've been around this church for 19 years. I have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. And so they literally have gone <laughs> through the entire system here. And they're both in a great place uh, today, spiritually. We pray that that's true for their future. But I couldn't be more appreciative of the work that you guys do and uh, the impact that you've had. So... So thank you. And also on a personal note, my life was changed in high school. I mean, I was that wandering high school kid. And just to answer this question too, I was a hockey, football, baseball playing, three-sport athlete. And I would have never said, I'll go to youth group. Way too nerdy, kind of had social (laughs) stuff figured out. So I thought, you were too nerdy or the youth group was slow? Well, I'll let you answer that. but, uh, But this is one challenge that I charge you guys with. You didn't expect that. No, I like it. Uh, is never forget that guy mm. or that person, you know, that somebody's coming this Wednesday that doesn't really want to be there, mm. you know, and somebody dragged them, someone invited them. Today's the day they're going to take Their a parents shot. parents bribed them. Parents <laughs> bribed them, trying to talk to them forever to get them to, the, to go. And I'd say this to you guys, as to any youth pastor listening, this is the Wednesday they're coming. And so vet out any weirdness, <laughs> vet out any... I think Jason Strand recently had the no wacky weekend or no <laughs> no weird weekend. I mean, goofy weekend. He had a great phrase yeah. for it a while ago. But the same should be for you guys. You should be vetting out all weirdness, please. Because uh, this is the day that kid could be walking through the door. And then the almost flip side, but the other side is now that you have a kid that's anchored in a little bit, how do you take them as deep as possible in their faith? Which I think you guys would answer through small groups and through all those other things beyond the front door. And uh, so it's that two-pronged approach of let's create an incredible environment where people want to bring their friends, which is exactly what the takeover. You guys underplayed a little bit of the insanity, Mm -hmm. especially of these student events that people just want to bring their friends. I even want to bring my friends, like literally my adult friends. I'm like, you should come see this. I mean, when the confetti cannons shoot off, like I want to be there and I want all my friends to be there. But Keep creating events that uh, that students want to invite their friends to. And then when they're there, lock them into their faith because I agree, they, they want to make an impact too. And you guys are the voices in the students' lives that are in a formidable formidable point in their lives. And so I couldn't be more grateful yeah. to who you are. But that's what I'm hoping and dreaming well for, for this Good upcoming year as well. Too. 
hey, if if people want to see more of Eagle Brook students or check it out or just see what's happening or maybe they're volunteer looking, what, what's the best way? We've got some YouTube, Instagram. Tell us how, how people can connect and see those things. Because actually, Summer Takeover's out there somewhere in yeah. the interwebs. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, is, <laughs> yeah. it is on the interwebs. It is on our YouTube channel, Eagle Brook Students. Eagle Brook you search students. that, you'll find yeah. it. Same on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, there's a group as well. So you could check that out. Uh, If you are interested in volunteering, we would love, love, love (laughs) to talk to you more about that as we gear up for this year. And uh, man, we just, we just, we need you. Yeah. And if people want other youth pastors want to connect with you guys, what's the best way to do that, Daniel? I would say, uh, you can honestly, if it's other youth pastors, they're probably on social media. <laughs> so, so DM us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> on what? What's your Instagram? Uh, it, uh, on my Instagram is Daniel Elliot Young. That's my Elliot with two L's. Yeah. E L L I O T. Yeah. Okay. Daniel Elliot Young. You can okay. DM me. Youth pastors. Yeah. Mine's Mark Ardall. And how do you spell Ardall? A A R D A H L. You were always first. The in Double class. A. Yeah. Double I graduated a. first <laughs> in my class. <laughs> yeah. right. Not because of my grades. Because of my now last name. Ministries jokes. Right. Yeah. That was better than the first you one. You guys, this was just such a rich <laughs> conversation. I honestly felt like we could have talked for hours. We actually did have to cut it short. You guys are brilliant people. You have such a great heart for students. We missed Brandon, but you guys filled in valiantly mm-hmm. and uh, way to go and just keep going too. We're just so, so proud of what God's doing through mm-hmm. um, student ministries here. And for all of you who are in the student ministry game one way or the other, maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're a volunteer, maybe you just have teenagers or um, young adults at, at home, man, keep going and dig in and keep keep figuring out what it takes to reach those those students for Christ. But that's all we got for this episode of the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. We just believe when leaders get better, the church gets better. So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you for the next episode of the Eagleburg Church Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.